We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With US Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. US Bank credit cards are issued by US Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast. It is Tuesday, March 7th. Nick Whalen here with DJ Trainer. It's our second podcast in about 24 hours. So hopefully we don't run into any stale material here, but I don't think we will. What we have on tap for today is a little bit of revisionist history. Um, you know, we, when we sat down to, to plan the show, you know, there's not a ton going on in the NBA right now as, you know, we're, we're over a week clear of the trade deadline and things starting to kind of settle in uh, in the dog days of March as we just wait for the playoffs. We figured, you know, why not look back and talk about things that we were glaringly wrong about? So we didn't want to limit it to just this year. You know, you don't like to put limits on yourselves when it comes to something like this. So looking back, Players we were wrong about, you know, in terms of someone you never thought would become as good as they were, someone you thought would be much better than they ended up being, draft picks you thought would be bust, etc. cetera. Uh, and then we'll also talk about some guys, you know, heading into this season that we thought would, you know, would have different years uh, than they have thus far. So I guess we'll start with you. Uh, I'll kind of let you take whatever direction you want with this. Let's start with Chandler Parsons in Memphis, right? This let's. is Yeah, this is a team that 
desperately has needed shooting and outside shooting over the last few years, right? They've they've been there, they've been in the hunt in the West, but nothing has really set them over the edge. Mike Conley's great, Zach Randolph, he's great. Marcus All, perhaps the best out of all three of them, but they really have been devoid of an outside shooter, somebody who can truly stretch the court. And man, oh man, did I think Chandler Parsons coming to Memphis was going to revolutionize his team and maybe set them over the edge. You know it's bad when even the player is tweeting about how bad he's shooting on, on Twitter. Yeah. Um, and he's been doing lots of that. And he's been hilarious. But, it, you know, when you <laughs> yeah. step back and think of it, it it's really sad how yeah. bad he's playing so far this well, year. Well, yeah, it's, ni- it's nice that he's been cool about it. But at some point, you know, you, you kind of have to show something on the court. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you. I, I thought, you know, I look back when I, when I saw that Parsons was on your list. And, you know, I, lo- I look back to our – our free agency tracker that I wrote back in the summer as all these signings were breaking through. And, you know, I tried to be a little, you know, mostly optimistic with all the signings. You know, I think the only one that I really went in on was Rondo because it just made no sense then. And it still doesn't make sense now. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I'm not going to claim like I had some sort of great foresight to predict that Rajon Rondo wouldn't work out in Chicago because I think just about everyone thought that. Uh, but what I wrote about Parsons is, you know, microfracture surgery is about as serious as it gets, but if Parsons can regain his borderline all-star form, he'll be the perfect third option next to Mike Conley and Marcus All. And that makes sense, right? Yeah. I mean, that's not, that's not right the hottest here. of yeah. all takes by any means, but you know, if Chandler Parsons was back where he was a couple of years ago, this Grizzlies team ceiling, you know, they're not a title contender, but they go from fifth to seventh best team in the West to, you know, maybe a little bit closer to that Clippers and Jazz tier. Yeah, let's not forget, he has some valuable playoff experience with Houston uh, back in the day. And, you know, what's what's crazy here as well is that they have devoted a lot of money to him. He signed a four-year, $94.5 million contract just last year. So he's in this thing for the long haul. You know, last night, Nick, against Brooklyn, he might have had his best game. I'll give you a stat line, and this is really telling that it's his best game of the year. 12 points, one rebound, three assists, one steal on three of six shooting. Erupted for 12 points. Yeah. I mean, the the tale of the tape here is that he's been shooting 34% from the field when considering that he's never shot less than 45% at any point during his career. Usually he's like an above-league average shooter, hovering 46 47%. You know, and if we want to talk about it from a fantasy perspective, I was gobbling him up later in drafts and and for like a decent dollar amount. And I thought I was going to win these leagues that I got him because I was expecting the Chandler Parsons of old and maybe even one better because Memphis has been desperately looking for somebody exactly like him. Do you think that he can be the Chandler Parsons of old at any point during this contract? Keep in mind, he's already 28 years old. Yeah, uh, no, I don't think he will be. I think, you know... they're paying close enough attention to the situation that like I don't think he's you know play, like, obviously he wants to prove that he's healthy and wants to play and live up to this contract um but you know I mean he's played now in seven consecutive games and in nine of their last 11 and it, the numbers just haven't been there like you said it, the shooting has been awful you know it doesn't look like he has his legs under him uh and, and I don't think you know obviously it's injury related you know there's you don't just drop off you know that kind of this kind of production without without some injury issues uh but it's like how much healthier can you really get you know like i don't think they're out there asking him to play through you know this you know some knee complications or whatever he might be having like you know obviously i think he can do better than 34 percent shooting and 26 percent from three but 
to ask him to get back to being like a 50% shooter like he was last year from the floor, like, I, I don't know that that's possible. 15% increase is a lot. I mean, it might be a situation where from now on you kind of have to to look at him as like a Derrick Rose where, you know, obviously he never reached the peaks that Derrick Rose reached, you know, in his MVP season and then you know, the couple seasons preceding and proceeding that. Um, but I think you just can't, you almost have to draw a line after 2014, 15 and say, all right, this is phase one. This is phase two. You can't compare them because he's a different player now. Yeah. And perhaps the most damning thing of all is that 40 year old Vince Carter makes sense on the court in that rotation more often than Chandler Parsons, Parsons, Parsons does and does Jefferson both being like really valuable rotation guys for playoff teams in 2017 is pretty wild. It is wild. And and yesterday we talked about, you know, why Richard Jefferson perhaps is so valuable or, or, you know, able to play. And it's all because of LeBron. But you look out in Memphis and it's not like Mike Conley is like this guy that inspires everybody on his team. I think Memphis more more so Mm -hmm. than anything is just a really good, solid, cohesive unit. And somebody like a Vince Carter is able to step in and and play a specific role and not do any more and not be held to any less. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's move on to your, unless you have. Yeah, well, I was going to say the the biggest, the most glaring indictment that we have on Chandler Parsons is that yesterday we we ranked our best white players American-born yeah, white players in the NBA go. and I don't think Chandler Parsons name even came up and we named just about every white player in the league we even said the Zellers man the Zellers Ron Baker I think even came up think about that shame on you Chandler Parsons knees um okay so I have a I'll start with a couple draft ones um you know I started really carefully kind of examining the draft in, in the later 2000s and Two guys that I thought would be one that I thought would like be a three year and out NBA player. One I thought would would be a good NBA player, but never an all star. Andre Drummond, I just never really saw it coming out of UConn. You know, the physical tools were obviously there, but he just seems infinitely more comfortable at the NBA level than he ever did at UConn. Uh, so he's somebody that I'm really really shocked is as good as he is. And Kemba Walker is the other guy. I I kind of thought Kemba Walker would have a similar NBA career to what Shabazz Napier's had, and I think the Heat thought Shabazz Napier would have a similar NBA career to what Kemba Walker's had. <laughs> I you know he was a great 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 college player, but he's you know he's undersized. He's not an insane athlete. He's not a you know ace defender. He's, he's good in a lot of areas, but I never ever saw Kemba Walker being an All Star. So I'm gonna ask what all our listeners are probably asking right now is, what do you have against UConn? It's a good question. Um, nothing. I don't have anything against okay. UConn. Uh, if if you knew about my love for Stanley Robinson, then this wouldn't even be in question. I will say Andre Drum- Drummond surprised a lot of us. I mean, I'm, I remember him in his first couple of years in the NBA. He was going and playing in in summer league, and it was like you know, can this guy take the next jump? And gosh, he. I mean, if he, he's just been so solid across the board. He was right. only 18, and he was averaging eight and eight basically i mean he was averaging 14 and 13 in his second year like that was just crazy to me and he was even better as a rookie than i thought like i remember watching him at uconn and he was he's this huge body he's a great athlete but he was timid he wasn't physical he always seemed to be like on his heels like that was the 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 thing i remember about him is he would catch the ball on his heels and would have to kind of wind up before doing anything i don't know some guys when you get to the program things just open up and and that's just more your style so follow-up question similar to what i asked you about parsons Last year, Andre Drummond had a stellar, stellar season, 16 points, almost 15 rebounds per game. With the way that NBA basketball is trending, especially with Hack a Drummond, you know, Hack anybody, 
Do you think it's very possible that last year will be the best year in terms of production that Andre Drummond will ever have in his career, even though he's only 23 years old? Yeah. One, crazy that he's only 23. Yeah. Two, yeah, I think it probably will be, but I also don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, 16 and almost 15 rebounds a game is insane. I mean, he led the league in rebounding and you know, 16 points for a guy who really does all of his scoring within a three-foot three radius of the basket. Sure. Uh, I think, yeah, I think looking back, we'll say that was his best year, but I think, he's, I think he'll have a lot of good years going forward. I think that'll just be the best of a lot of very solid years. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. You got another one for me? Yeah, we'll we'll do uh, make it take it. Um, let's see, where do I want to go next? Well, yeah, let's 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 keep it within the past before we get to guys for this season for me. Xavier Henry, I I was all in on Xavier Henry. Those I was eyes, all in. Those eyes. I was all in on Xavier Henry at Kansas. All in uh, on Xavier Henry as a high school player in Oklahoma thought he was going to be the next big thing. I thought the Grizzlies were getting the steal of the century. I think they got him at like 12 or 13 or something like that uh, in the later part of the lottery. Injuries were obviously a big part of that. Um, but And every time you see like once a year, you, you hear like, oh, Xavier Henry, team, team's taking a look. He might be coming in for a tryout or you know, he's, he's resurfacing with the, the Sioux Falls Sky Force. <laughs> And it just hasn't come, and I, I don't think we—I don't think we're probably ever going to see Xavier Henry in the NBA again. No, very I, sad. I, I believe the last note we have on him is uh, that he signed a contract with the Oklahoma City Blue mm-hmm. in November of six, 2016. So he's headed back to the Oklahoma City area. Of course, I'm from Oklahoma. Had some friends that I didn't play basketball in high school, but had some friends that competed against him. Like he literally dunked over my friend who's like six five, six six. So obviously, where he was, was was he? Like Putnam City, is that right? Putnam City. Putnam. Uh, Putnam. There, there's two or three schools in Put- for Putnam City and I think that Xavier and Blake Griffin went to the same one of those I'm not entirely sure really but obviously a pretty good lineage there just in Putnam City in general I, I don't really know the interesting the exact breakdown anymore I was on the other side of the state in Tulsa and, and these guys were in Oklahoma City but mm-hmm. you know went to Kansas any player that goes to Kansas out of high school is obviously going to be highly touted a highly touted recruit um, you know had a decent stint with the Lakers in 23-2014 where it thought, oh, man, this guy could be a rotational player. Didn't work out. I he know ripped I used up the him. Achilles. Yeah, I know, I know I grabbed him in a couple leagues a couple years ago, and it, it's just some, somebody that never really panned out. But toss him on a big pile of these guys that come in to the league, play 45, 50 games for a season, and then they just fizzle out before they even turn 25. All right, tell me something else you were wrong about. All right, so the shooting guard situation in Denver, I, I knew it was you know packed and jammed with Gary Harris, Will Barton, and Jamal Murray, but last year Will Barton really did a lot of nice things where I thought it would have been a no-brainer to play most of his minutes there at shooting guard. Like I understand if he's coming off the bench, but still, I, I thought he would see the lion's share of minutes at shooting guard. For whatever reason, Denver is in love with Gary Harris. They just absolutely love him. You know, they love him on the court. He's not a score first guy. Apparently he does a lot of things that the organization likes. So I think I was dead wrong on Will Barton not seeing more time after a productive last season where they basically, you know, he's on a very friendly contract. On top of that, I thought they'd want to integrate him more because, you know, I think you could compare his contract really to the Jay Crowder contract, um, but they're just not playing him enough to kind of live up to the even Jay Crowder potential right now. 
You throw in Jamal Murray into the mix where it seems like they were already too stacked to begin with. So I was wrong in that I thought they would thin it out. And if you're going to pick Gary Harris, then go with it, but then trade Barton and get something else in return. So, um, you know, I could probably say that and extend that out to every position uh, on the Nuggets right now because they're still stacked, hoping that they'll thin out at some point this offseason. But I was especially wrong at the shooting guard spot where I thought Will Barton would see the lion's share of minutes. I think Will Barton's contract has been like a blessing and a curse in some ways because like they don't have any monetary obligation to play him. You know, it's like you you didn't pay this guy fifteen million dollars a year. You don't you don't feel like you have to get your worth out of him. Like he's basically on a rookie deal, yeah. and he is for next year too, three and a half million next season. I mean, he if he has another solid year next season, is going to get paid. I mean, he might make five times what he's making per year in in two seasons. Um, but yeah, they, they need to do something with, with that guard rotation. You have Jamal Murray under a rookie deal going forward. Gary Harris still has another year on his rookie contract and then he'll be restricted Malik Beasley, who really hasn't been a factor at all. You know, he was a guy that they took in the middle of the first round last year, who I I think they like quite a bit. Um, I mean, you're, you're probably, I I don't know if they keep Jameer Nelson around next year, kind of tough to see where they exactly they see themselves. Well, we talked to Harrison wind earlier on in the year and and he suggested that Jamal Murray, it might even be the point guard in waiting more. Well, We haven't even touched on Moody either. Like that's, that's the biggest domino I think in all this, Mm -hmm. because if you're moving on from Moody, then you can move Jamal Murray. And then all of a sudden shooting guards, not all that cluttered. So, and then you'd want a combination of Gary Harrison. Will Barton. Exactly. Yeah. And especially when you're paying Barton, what you are, there's, you know, you don't feel bad about splitting those minutes. Right. So it's a tough situation overall. Obviously, they swung for the fences before the trade deadline and missed. I'm assuming that that was inferred to be Paul George, and Paul George informed the Nuggets that he wouldn't sign mm-hmm. with them long term, which makes sense. So maybe they'll swing for the fences again and, and try to thin out. But, you know, this is a pivotal point in their franchise where they could, you know, they could really mess up here or they could make a big move and, and become a contender very soon because they do have – lots of prospects you know Malik Beasley is somebody that if you listen to yesterday's podcast we talked about you know who's on nobody's radar that could potentially be an all-star and Malik Beasley certainly would be far-fetched but he just hasn't even had a chance to see any playing time Mm -hmm. it's possible he could be a decent player in this league in the next couple of years but we'd never know because he's fourth on the depth chart yeah broke his foot before the draft that kind of limited his ability to work out so I mean it's really someone that we have kind of no basis on at the NBA level right now so I mean it could go both ways he could be out of the league in three years that wouldn't shock anybody um, but he could also be a, a good rotation guy in a few years as well um, going back to the summer Kevin Durant leaving Oklahoma City I never saw coming at all I know I'd mentioned this to you a couple weeks ago I specifically remember we were walking out to lunch sometime in it must have been I don't know April or May and we were walking down the steps in the office and I, I like pulled out my phone and there was a Zach Lowe tweet about, you know, keep an eye on the Warriors for Kevin Durant. And I remember reading that and thinking like, this is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. And, you know, you and that's Zach coming, Lowe. right. I know, I know. And that's coming from Zach Lowe. So like in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, he wouldn't just tweet this. Like this is a, this is as reliable as sources get. Yeah. So, but still I was like, this just doesn't make sense. This is all is like a ruse. You know, I'm like, this is all just about getting in the Cavs heads that the Warriors are going to get better. <laughs> or, you know, some people were suggesting that it was getting in the Warriors heads, you know, like some of the players like Harrison Barnes would have heard these rumors and were like, would see the writing on the wall that if hey, Kevin Durant's coming, that I'm gone. happens. Teams will quote unquote leak stuff and, and see, yeah. you know, how that affects other parties. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's like borderline tampering, but 
Yeah, I and mean, I still, even coming from a source like like Low, I I remember thinking this is not going to happen. I remember exactly where I was when I read the news on July fourth. I was sitting in my backyard by myself in a lawn chair, and I dropped my phone on the ground when I when I saw the Duran announcement because no one knew exactly like what time it was coming. It was just sometime on July fourth, and you know I'm just scrolling through Twitter, and there it was. Dropped my phone on the brick. Did not crack the screen for the record. Um, but even looking back, you know, I, I say this every time I watch the Warriors, like to myself, I'm just like, I cannot believe that this is real. Like it still seems crazy to see, you know, a number 35, Kevin Durant, and just say, this, this is part of their team going forward. Cause we got the, there was so much media saturation with the Warriors and the Splash Brothers and Draymond. And like, that was the team, you know, like that was enough. There were enough personalities right. on that team. Like you, you kind of learned everything you could about that team. And now it's, it's just this completely different animal with KD. Yeah, and I wouldn't even say KD is a personality, but like the way he plays on the court and how good he is turns into a personality, but he's not nearly as outspoken as as Draymond and and Steph Curry isn't really outspoken either, but he just has so many like deals, like commercials yeah. and all this stuff out there that, you know, a massive personality. I can't believe it either. You know, uh the Thunder were dropped in my backyard uh when I was in middle school, high school, and it was surreal. It was awesome. I really truly fell in love with the NBA through the Thunder. And in large part, that was because of Kevin Durant, because he came and, you know, just put the city on the map right away and, and gave this, you know, this new or well, I guess this, you know, transplant team a name. And so when he left and ever since, it's been really awkward for me just as a fan base. And I know it is for an entire fan base in Oklahoma City, still trying to find its footing uh, post KD. Uh, yeah, it's still weird. Like I can't even I, I yeah, every time I see him in a jersey. It, it does seem weird. If it seems like it's a video game, yes. and you started franchise mode. It really, yeah. It's just, it's just never something that even when really reliable reporters are saying it's a possibility, it was never something that I really, really thought was yeah. a possibility. Um, and even this past Friday, you know, I was, I was not in the office, and I was, I was just at home watching ESPN Classic, and they were playing. I think it was a 2011 or 2012 first round game between the Thunder and the Mavs and there's James Harden coming out like handling the ball at point guard with a headband on the beard's not as bushy it's just like what what am I even watching right now like no one on the court for OKC is still on this team except for Westbrook yeah and and I will say I'm wrong about this too because you know a couple years before this happened we knew this decision was going to happen like multiple years leading up to it and I had always been on the record saying that I thought he was going to go to Washington I mean the guy has Mm -hmm. a Washington Nationals a tattoo on his chest. He was going to sign with the Washington Nationals. Yeah, we all yeah, thought it. Exactly. I mean, he's from there. They need uh, a right fielder. Jason Worth's getting old. And you know too much about the MLB. And, uh, you know, the Wizards hired his old high school coach or like a family something member like, or something. That's so, like, that's such a college yeah. basketball move. Yeah. I No, I remember like writing a whole article about how like whoever that person was, I forget now. Signed, yeah. Who was it? His AAU coach or something like they made some like really petty, obvious move like that. Yeah. I'll have to go check the blog I was running back like five years ago and, and see my rant on that. But it was definitely yeah. some kind of petty thing, like, like almost tampering as well. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, I was dead wrong because I thought he was going to go to Washington, but that didn't happen. So either. you thought he was leaving OKC? I think I, I mentally think. and emotionally prepared myself for him to leave, but I I had thought the whole time it was going to be Washington. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, like the last six, eight months leading up to it, everybody knew it wasn't going to be Washington, but I was kind of waiting for it to happen. Yeah. I, I'm such a pessimist when it comes to stuff right. like this that I was prepared for it to just be status quo and get the announcement from yeah. Woj that Durant was re-upping with OKC for one year, and then we do this again next year. 
So just the fact that something happened, like I don't care that he went to Golden State. I don't care he could have gone and signed with the Reno Bighorns. Like I don't care. It was just <laughs> it was just cool that it happened. Like he went somewhere. And you know, if you're a Thunder fan, you obviously disagree with that. Um, but you know, as just a fan of the league, it, it's fun when anything like it was the same thing like when LeBron, you know, went, went to, to Miami. Miami. He's like, this is going to be yeah. now. All of a sudden, we have this mammoth story that's going to take over the NBA for the summer. Well, the funny thing here is that like I grew up in Oklahoma and I decided to leave and come to Wisconsin, so I'd be a massive hypocrite. So you're basically Kevin Durant. Yeah, I am Kevin Durant. I I, I was Kevin Durant before Kevin Durant was Kevin Durant. So, you know, I'd be a massive hypocrite to say, you know, oh, you got to stay in this the well, state that I left. Uh, but no, I understand it. Like if you spend nine years, like for me, it was 18. For him, it was nine. Like, just get out of there. Like Oklahoma is not that exciting. Like I grew up there. I still go back there. Like I get it. There's nothing right. for a million. Well, you get to come to, to a place like Wisconsin that has the Golden State right. Warriors of coworkers. <laughs> yeah, good one. All right. So another guy that I was dead wrong on. Uh... <laughs> Thanks for that little good one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bring it back here to Wisconsin since I brought it up. Matthew Dellavedova in Milwaukee. I really thought that he fit into this team, like the mantra. Of this I think team. this one's on you. It really? <laughs> Don't you think that he's like a like the Bucks have kind of been like yeah, the scrappy no, team? Kidding, yeah. Nobody believes in us. Nobody likes Milwaukee. They always use Milwaukee as the punching bag when when people say like, "What are you going to do? Go play in Milwaukee?" Like they always say Milwaukee when it comes down to yeah. it. Um, and, and I just thought he fit in just, you know, with the way this team was trending, you know, that he was going to be something of an advisor to this team. And it's like, Hey, I've been there before. Here's the kind of the steps you need to take. I thought Jason Kidd would fall in love with him. I think obviously that did happen because they acquired him. Yeah, we don't know that they're not in love. We do not know. We cannot confirm. Um, Although I think they're both married. Yeah. I th- <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Either way, I just thought it would be a better fit, and now we're seeing Malcolm Brogdon. We're seeing Giannis play point guard. I mean, there's just a myriad of reasons Mm -hmm. why this is not as great of a fit as I thought it would have been originally. But you know what's funny is that if you go back to the Cavaliers' seasons, like the regular season, like Delhi wasn't an integral part. It was only in the playoffs where everybody was watching where they thought he was a bigger part of that team than he really was. So He he barely played in the finals this past year. Like He made his money two finals ago when Kyrie was out and they were banged up and he I mean he played really well in that series you got like he that carried over for more than a calendar year to the following summer and got him paid uh I think the bigger thing is just the expectations were mis misassessed from the beginning you know like Delhi's numbers are basically the same as they were last year his three-point percentage is down a bit but it's not like he's shooting 25 percent from three you know like it's it's matthew dell of the dope of 34 percent is probably what you're getting with that guy so i think i think the expectations were just a little bit too high and a little bit misconstrued by how well he played and how how big of a name he was and became because of that finals run yeah no shame on me you know hindsight not just always, you i mean i think a lot of people thought yeah that. no hindsight's always 2020 20, but when you go back and look at the regular season like this mm-hmm. guy was just like the second or third option off the bench and that's exactly what he is in Milwaukee. So that I mean, nothing has really changed. Maybe if they get to the playoffs, he could reach that other right. level. But you're you're totally right in saying that he made his money two finals ago. Yeah, I like what was the what was like the ceiling for Delvadova? That's, like, that's a good way to flip it on its head, and then you're like, what oh, were, yeah, what would have been like, like? What was I expecting? What could you conceivably imagine him doing like at his absolute best? Like averaging just under ten points per game and six <laughs> to seven assists. I, I right, think the yeah. Assist, so it's like. The assist was the big one for me that Mm -hmm. I thought maybe, you know, he could go in there and be a facilitator, but that's been left up to Giannis and Malcolm Brogdon. 
I think people were expecting some sort of like Lynn Sanity situation, like Della Vadova Sanity. Lynn Sanity is a little far for me, but I thought that he'd be a guy like something like a Patrick Beverly, who's sure. on the court for 30 minutes. Jeremy a game. Lynn was good for nine games yeah. in 2012. I actually just looked this up the other day because I was I was trying to remember like how how big of a deal really was it, and like he was you know he had like nine okay games. That and that, that was that. That flame burned so bright yeah. for such a short time. Mm-hmm. Such a short time. I went. I went to a game in Milwaukee that year, to, like in the midst of Linsanity. I, I want to say Jeremy Lin didn't play because he got hurt like the game before, but the crowd was. Everyone was there for Jeremy Lin, if you know what I mean. It was very yeah, obvious. Sure. It was crazy. I mean, like, you know, and this is a Knicks game, so you know you get a lot of Knicks fans in Milwaukee anyway, just because of the popularity of the Knicks. But I mean, it seemed like it was eighty percent Jeremy Lin fans at that game. Yeah, unfortunately, that happens. You know, it's crazy to, to markets like Milwaukee mm-hmm. where like people come. Yeah, up well, I Chicago think it was it would have happened almost anywhere, and it was. You know, he hit that game winner in Toronto, and it was that's the one that you really remember. You know, like you just walked up and bombed it from the top of the key. I think that was kind of the peak of insanity, and like that sounded like it was a yes. home game. Yeah, no, that was awesome. So you got Giannis on this list. What were I you do. wrong about with Giannis? I was wrong about him coming out of the draft, as I think just about everybody was. I, I never in a million years thought he would be this good, okay. this quickly. Uh, even at the end of last season, if you would have told me he was going to start the All-Star game, if you would have told me a month and a half before the All-Star game that he was going to start it, I still wouldn't have believed you. Like, he was, you know, on a team like the Bucks that has struggled and, you know, wasn't even in the playoff picture at the time of the All-Star game and is still on the fringe. Like, I just, I never really saw this coming at all with, with Giannis. So, props to the Bucks, I guess, for somewhat seeing it coming but i would i would bet that john hammond even would admit that he didn't think Giannis would ever be this good at age 22 or 23 whatever he is it's remarkable do you think that he got a little cocky by taking thon maker thinking that he could (laughs) it's like a heat check pick yeah heat check (laughs) seriously no i don't i could see why overdrafted him for sure right oh yeah absolutely i think they and the bucks have said they did their diligence they knew they picked him higher than he was projected they wanted to move back but they just couldn't they couldn't find a way to do it and get the deal they wanted but in retrospect, you know, I mean, who should they have taken at that spot? You know, like who that who was taken behind Thon Maker where you're like, man, we really we really you know messed this one up. Like Sabonis, I think at this point you'd probably rather still have the upside of Thon Maker. Yeah, but I know it, it's it's easy to say that when you look at how the players have panned out. But at that time, they could have traded back you know grabbed another second round pick or something like that but i think they really wanted maker and they couldn't they couldn't work a deal in like the 11 to 20 range like that's basically what they said it's like yeah we realized we wanted to move back but we couldn't we we could only move back further than we wanted to and then we wouldn't have been able to get maker so i i think they had they had their mind made up that this was and this is what everybody was saying it's an eight player draft and those eight players went in the top eight as everyone expected and there was a considerable drop off in terms of potential from marquis chris at eight to jacob Pertl at nine and then you look at like everyone that went, you know, nine through thirty, with the exception of a couple guys like Scal and Dejounte Murray, who are you know pretty high upside. Like Don Maker is probably the highest upside of anyone in that range, and I think the Bucks knew they overdrafted him, but still thought, you know what, the rest of the guys in this draft, at best, we think they're going to be seventh or eighth men in the NBA. We're going to take a chance on the one guy who might be a bad player in five years, but also has the chance to turn into a, a legit, you know, top 20 overall player at his absolute peak. Yeah, no, that, that's all fair. I, th- I think everybody was, you know, everybody messed up on him for sure. Yeah. Well, and, I don't know. I mean, is, is he still good? Is he good yet? I don't know. Giannis? 
Oh no, Giannis. Oh, maker, 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 maker. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's a debate. Is I Giannis, was bringing it back home. Is Giannis I, actually bad? Well, I'll, I'll make one comparison, then we can move on. Here is that the one thing that everybody likes to point to that they said, "Oh, I knew that Giannis could potentially be this good," is that he tried so hard when he was on the court, his 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 rookie yeah. season. And I will say one thing about Thon Maker: when he's on the court, he is trying harder than anybody mm-hmm. else. And if that's supposed to be an indicator, I don't know how true that is, but that's what a lot of people do with Giannis, right or wrong. Then we need to be like taking a note of how hard Maker tries right yeah. now when he's out on the court. That is a funny thing to me. Always is like he likes basketball. I was like, what? How? Did, <laughs> how would you make it this far if you didn't like basketball? But then again, you have cases. I mean, look at Jalil Okafor. Not that he doesn't like basketball, but yeah. there's an obvious effort issue there. Side note. Let's name as many players as we can in the NBA right now that we're pretty sure don't like basketball. Jeff Ooh. Green? I don't know that Kawhi likes basketball. I, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a sneaky good I one. I think he's just like, well, I'm really good at this, and everyone seems to like me when I play it, so I, mean, I guess I might as well. The biggest answer here is probably Dwight Howard. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think all these guys like basketball. I don't know, man. I, I think they hate it. I think they disgust I'm it. I'm trying to think of one guy who I re- like. Who would like rather be doing something else if it paid as well as basketball? Yeah, I mean, like Larry Sanders is probably the golden skateboarding yeah. slash music yep. slash art. Yeah, future Cavalier Larry Sanders yeah, possibly, probably. with with Bogut going down. Um, let's see other things we were wrong about. Terrence Jones for me, I, I obviously things changed when Demarcus Cousins came to New Orleans, but in terms of fantasy, he's a guy that I you know I. I drafted quite a bit. Shannon McEwen, who's on the Friday podcast, he also was high on him. This is a guy that has scored like over 30 points multiple times over the course of his career. He just never has been a very good fit wherever he's been at Houston. I feel like they underappreciated him in in New Orleans. I really thought he'd be able to come in and make a statement because you play uh, Anthony Davis at the five. And the four for New Orleans over the past couple of years has been this weird hodgepodge of like Dante Cunningham and, you know, like other scrap guys who randomly are seeing time and it's just never really made that much sense. So I thought he would have went in there and just really solidified that position. It never happened. And obviously, um, did he sign with another team or is he still a free agent right now? He's with the Bucks. Oh, he's with the Bucks. That's right. Yeah, I think That's he a signed. Great fit. He signed with the Bucks last Thursday. That's right. Yeah, Michael Beasley owners beware because you know those are both guys that can go in there and, and you know maybe mm-hmm. put up some points. Yeah, Beasley, the Bucks just announced earlier today is going to be reevaluated in two more weeks. So, yeah, on the surface, at least, it would seem like there's going to be an opportunity for Terrence Jones. I only have one more, uh, one more that I really want to talk about. I was higher on the Detroit Pistons this season. I was higher on Stanley Johnson coming out of Arizona. And that situation, even though they're still hanging around the playoff picture and, and, you know, I've definitely underachieved in terms of the talent that's on that team and the experience that's on that coaching staff, this situation seems to have turned toxic really quickly. And and even if they're able to, you know, to hang on and, and, you know, finish somewhere between six and eight in the East and maybe win a playoff game or two, it doesn't seem like they necessarily have their core of the future like it looked like they did five months ago yeah I I I never was on the Stanley Johnson bandwagon but I know it was a pretty big one um and I'm not here to say you know like I was right and you were wrong it just he just never he just never excited me that much uh you know I don't watch a lot of college basketball for but for whatever reason I definitely saw a few games of him when he was at Arizona and I accidentally caught him on tv accidentally caught him on tv and I gotta say it, it was a small sample size but he just seemed like a hothead to me in those games. 
He and, and I just didn't think that was going to transition well into the NBA, being like 18 or 19 years old and thinking yeah. you're better than anybody else. And when in reality, like you really just need to take a step back and take a couple seasons to get adjusted. And so maybe I was reading too much into, you know, like five minutes of a random three games, but it actually did kind of bear some fruit where he's not mm. as good as everybody thought he was going to be. Yeah, he definitely had the issue of adjusting to joining what was a really good Arizona team as you know, the number one, number two overall recruit, depending on who you ask. And I think it's tough for a lot of guys, you know, to go from being the absolute man on every team you played on your entire life and then being asked to be sometimes the fourth option at, at Arizona, you know. So I I kind of just thought he would be one of those guys that if, if the one-and-done rule were no longer, he would have gone right to the NBA and we might be looking at him a little differently. And I don't think he ever viewed – Arizona as more than you know just kind of a one-stop shop as a lot of guys do and I he, you know, I said earlier there's some guys who just get to college or get to the NBA and it just things open up like I thought he would be one of those guys like I thought playing in the college system was just never quite his strong suit I thought he was a good one-on-one guy he'd be good in the NBA has not happened we all assumed that he was going to start over KCP like I wasn't high on him but I did think he was going to start moved into a six-man role and which is exactly what they've needed I mean they for for goodness sake they've moved Tobias Harris to the bench to create that traditional six-man score off the bench role and so you know there's still lots of time for him to adjust uh, and it'll be interesting to track the rest of his career last player that I'll bring up here is Bobby Portis um, drafted 22nd overall in 2015 and everybody was ready to pat the Chicago Bulls on the back just like right after that and draft scold the Bucks for not taking him exactly right and so and now over the last couple of seasons they've been so reluctant to play him and it, it seems because he just you know he just hasn't got it on defense and even on offense it doesn't seem like maybe he understands what's going on obviously you get rid of Taj Gibson you get rid of Doug Doug McDermott and we're really going to find out what we have in Bobby Portis so right now I think he's technically still on this list but he is going to have the rest of the season to prove that you know maybe he is as good as I thought he was and a lot of other people did too and, and maybe one of the issues here why I put so much vested interest in him is because we we bumped into him. We didn't talk to him, but we saw him out in Vegas in the summer league uh, coming into his rookie season. And the dude just looks like a massive, like good NBA player. Like he is so lanky at 6'11". I swear his hands were touching the ground as he walked through the casino floor. Um, and so maybe that's why, but you know, we weren't the only one. I wasn't the only one saying that he was such a good steal at 22 so far though, you know, that really hasn't shown any promise. Yeah. I mean, he played well, um, last week he, he had a 17, 13 game, um, in that win over golden state. And I think, you know, part of clearing out Taj Gibson in that trade with OKC was to, to showcase Bobby Portis a little bit more. So, I mean, the jury's still out on him for sure 31 minutes in that game though I mean at some point an NBA caliber player is going to put up a certain amount of points and so you know maybe I just backed my, mm-hmm. backed into saying that he is an NBA caliber player but I mean you better have something to show for it if you're going to be on the court 31 minutes I don't care if it's against the Nets or the Warriors yeah yeah I mean he, he struggled a little bit especially in the yeah, in the second half yesterday he had just two points I think one rebound and like you know, 12 minutes of action in the second half. So, I mean, it's it's a learning process. The Bulls are a mess. It's not exactly the best situation to be in right now. And for as storied as, you know, of a franchise as the Bulls are, it's, they, they've kind of lost their credibility to me in the last, especially the last, the last, like, last, like, last, like, five. granted the Derrick Rose situation put them in a really tough spot and Joe Kim Noah deteriorating like he has, but 
that that organization has like kind of low key been one of the worst run you know five or six worst run organizations in the NBA lately. That's that's very true. I think uh, you know Derrick Rose has is a lot or it certainly deserves some blame in that, you know, obviously you're going to hit your wagon to a star like that, you know, such a young MVP. And then he just fizzled out. But on top of that, you know, when you put yourself in their shoes, they committed to Rondo and then Wade just randomly decided that he wanted to come home and play in Chicago. And then of course you're going to say, Oh, oh yeah. Just said come no. Well, yeah, it's like, I, I don't think they could have reneged on, on bringing Rajon Rondo in. Right. Like that was, I, I forget the timeline of it all, but you know, they, they had to take on way, like, how can you not? Um, so obviously a terrible situation, just weird, but you're right. I think you can, you can make a firm argument that they've been one of the worst, you know, five organizations run over the last mm-hmm. 10 years. I mean, basically, no, I mean, they Michael were Jordan. they were in a really, really good spot when Derrick Rose won the MVP. Like they were the yeah, one seed. True. Taj like, Gibson was still a spring yeah. chicken. No, they were. Yeah. Things would have been much different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's hard to judge them on Rose's injury. But sure. since then, the way they've handled things since then, like basically the suspension of of belief that they need to rebuild, like everything is going to be fine. This everything is just so short sighted with the bulls. And like the Wade signing is such a case in point argument for that. Well, I think part of that is they sell out the United center every single yeah, game. That's the thing is like, I think they saw Wade as like, all right, well, this is, this guy's going to help us stay relevant. Like they're, you know, people talk about Gar and Pax, like they just have no idea what they're doing. It's like, they know what they're doing. They, they're, yeah. they're businessmen first, I think before they're, you know, like, not, not that they're not trying to put a winning product on the court, because obviously they are, but I think they've weighed the pros and cons of business maybe more so than some other GMs who sure. are more just focused on the product. It's tough, man. I mean, not only do they sell out every game, but they have the biggest capacity yeah. of anywhere I mean, else, too. They're so. doing fine as, as an organization in terms of money. Last thing I'll say, and that we always have to remember, we can talk all this personnel stuff, you need to rebuild, but... It's an entertainment industry, and they're doing their best to put you right. know put a good entertaining product out on the court forty one times a year. And you can certainly make a strong argument also that having Dwayne Wade just on the team period uh, is yes. enough to say you know what we're putting forth a good entertaining product. You know, stop looking at the winner loss record. You know, people are right. showing up in droves to to exactly. watch this this uh, the show. And that's the benefit you have when you're an organization that won six championships in eight years and has the most iconic i would say the most iconic athlete in the last what's 50 years at least of american sports i think it has to be i mean if you uh, you can go back to you know the babe ruth type of guys but you know wayne gretzky is the one where people might take i think he's canada's guy right you know sure like way more people especially in the younger generation there's probably people who don't know who wayne gretzky is which is its own separate sad issue. Everybody but, knows who Michael Jordan right. is. It's you're you're not you're not crazy. Like they kind of, they have that benefit to fall back on. It's like well, Remember we're the Michael? Bulls. It's like yeah. the Knicks too. Or it's like we're the Knicks. So we can keep making these decisions. You're going to keep showing up. You're going to keep caring. And you know. And again, it's not to suggest that they're like doing this on purpose, but they just have the added cushion of not having this like immense pressure on you because you built up so much equity with your fans.